Hi. Hi. <laughs> hey, it's good to be here. Um, what an amazing first service we had. God moved here just beautifully. And I was so encouraged by it. I have a few things to share with you. First of all, a thank you to your church. You don't know this, but I'm your missionary. What? <laughs> Every year you send me. You send me to Africa. You send me to Europe. I travel the world. I'm 80 years old, okay? <laughs> and there's nothing going to stop me. If I've got another 40 years in me, I'm going to continue to go and share the word of God where God calls me to go. I was this time here, I was, I was worried. I hadn't been traveled because of COVID and all the other things. I haven't been traveling for a while. So the devil tried to tell me that you're, you're too old. You're not strong enough. Yeah. You're ugly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> he told me all these things. Did he ever tell you that, huh? <laughs> Amen. And you know, I prayed, Lord, give me the strength to go through because it's an arduous task to get there. It's two days of air, air travel. And then when you get there, you don't stop. You're going, you know, we're preaching in churches. We're, uh, we're, we painted out the boys' dormitory this time here. We, you know, and so you don't stop. And I was saying, Lord, how am I going to do that? I did it all. I mean, there was no problem. I came, I came home happy. My wife wasn't so happy. You know, but I came home happy. <laughs> I, I, I transgressed into uh, Scotland where I minister in the churches in Scotland and they support the orphanage, so I get a chance to share there. And we had just a, just a lovely time. And then God brought me home. And it was cool, man. But it's because of you that I get to go. Believe that or not, it's because of you guys that send me, I get to go. It's because of you guys. We've had five children in college right now from the orphanage. Um, three, sorry, three children in college. We have five children in secondary school. Okay, We're looking to put 30 more children in the orphanage this year. Because of you and what you do. And I told Pastor Fred, I have a picture for you guys, but it's been taking so long to get anything done. It's a picture of the kids saying, thank you so much for helping us. And I'll get that to you as soon as it comes in. Now, don't hold your breath, because I've been waiting for two months, so you could die if you hold your breath. Amen. 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 God is so good, isn't he? He is so good. You know, I started, last message, I started off telling you how good God is. I have a son-in-law named Michael, and uh, he uh, is divorced from my daughter. Now, it was a good divorce. I mean, if a divorce can be good, it was an amiable divorce, you know, and and they broke up, and they remained friends through the whole thing. But all of a sudden, Michael started not feeling very well. And he uh, went to the doctors, and they told him, you're loaded with cancer, and you've got approximately six months to live if you make it that long. Wow, devastating. Now, Michael knew the Lord, and he went the other way. And I think that's what caused the divorce, too. Uh, Christine still stays with the Lord, and she's involved. But... He went the other way. Well, he got this news, and he went back, and he was really sad. And then a doctor came up, and he said, listen, I've done this operation before, and I probably can extend your, your life uh, five years if you're willing to go through this. So uh, he said, well, he had a choice, six months, five years. I think I'll take the five years, right? Yeah. And, and they removed, and I shared this. There's, a, there's a, a sac that goes around your lungs called the pleura, and it covers your lungs and protects them. Well, that was loaded with cancer. So they took that out. And then they turned around and removed, a, uh, I think it's one rib, but I'm not sure. They had to remove and sore off a rib completely, right? And when he came out of the operation, they were amazed because he was doing so well. Uh, we were praying for him, you know. 
And then all of a sudden he regressed and he went back and they put him into a induced coma. They gave him about, I, I think this is true, about 30% chance of living. So he was on his deathbed. They had, a, they had a big tube in his mouth and they had to take that out and do a tracheotomy and put a trach tube in there so they could get fluids and stuff into him. And uh, my daughter, daughter said to me, Dad, uh, I don't think there's any hope. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to tell you. With man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. And we continued to pray. And the prayer group on Sunday morning at Re Restoration Church began to pray. And we called in prayer warriors from all over the place. And we prayed. And it was probably about three weeks later. He was still in that induced coma for that amount of time, you know. Wow. All of a sudden, he woke up. And they couldn't believe it. They didn't think he would wake up. All of a sudden, he started moving his hands and his feet. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he started saying, I'm hungry. He wanted food. Yeah. Hallelujah. They were able to take the trach tube out. They were able to get him up. He's been walking. And he's Hallelujah. not. What they do, and with something like that in intensive care, you go to intensive care, and then you go to a middle place, and then you go to a, a rehab home. Yeah. They're putting him right in a rehab home. Because God answers our prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hopefully we'll have Michael around for another five years. Uh, more hopefully that he crawl, crawls back under the guidance of a holy God. Yes. And, yes, amen. And God can use him to share this amazing testimony. You see, there's nothing too hard for God, is there? There's nothing too hard. Well, I'm going to share some things with you. And you probably already know that I'm a little bit weird. Is that right, Fred? <laughs> I do things kind of confusing. My wife looks at me sometimes and scratches her head. You know, she's been married to me for 59 years, and she still loves me. I can't believe it, right? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you a little story about an Italian woman. Then in between, I'm going to stop. I'm going to give you some scripture, and then I'm going to tell you a story again. Then I'm going to give you some scripture, and then I'm going to finish the story. So you have to listen to me to hear the end. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> That's what I do, huh? But there was an Italian lady, her name was Maria, right? And she didn't speak very good English, so you've got to get that in your mind. She was married to a man named Mario. They had 12 children, right? They were so poor, the poor people said, boy, are you guys poor? That's pretty poor, right? And Mario, okay, would, would bring people home to eat and never tell Maria. Wow. This evening, he brought four people home. How would you like that, moms? Your husband bring four people home, not tell you, right? Surprise. Hey. Well, Maria, who always responded well, I probably she said some bad things to him, I would think, but she always responded well. She ran to a cupboard, and she opened up the pasta barrel, and there in that barrel was a quarter pound of pasta. You know how much quarter pound of pasta is? Not very much. Not very much. Keep that in your mind. We're going to go back there. We're going to get back there, okay? I'm going to share with you the parable of the lost son. Now, everybody knows this scripture. I'm going to start in Luke 15, 11 through 32. It says, to illustrate a point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. What an insult that is in the Jewish culture. What an insult that is. I mean, that's, that's like telling your father, die now so I can have everything I want. You know, and I, I dealt with that in my life. I, I wanted my own way. How many want their own way sometimes, huh? Yes, amen. I wanted my own way. He wanted his own way. 
you know, words of a rebellion. Uh, do you know every time we open our mouths to talk, we either advance the kingdom of life or we advance the kingdom of death? That's two things that happened to us, okay? This boy was advancing the kingdom of death, wasn't he? Hallelujah. Check your words carefully. That tongue is pretty strong, isn't it? Yes, I, never mind. I don't want to tell you how many times they corrected me, okay? But the tongue is pretty strong. Watch your words. Make sure you consult the Lord before you make any rash statements because it will help you out. Well, this is what happened. Maria is there, and she's standing there, and all of a sudden, she remembered. Well, wait a minute, I think I skipped the point here. Fred, keep an eye on me, huh? Okay, here we go, sorry. A few days later, the youngest son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money and everything, and he ends up working for a pig farmer. Yeah, and if you know anything about the Jewish culture and pigs, it's not a real good mix. It's the bottom of the slop. He was in the bottom end. Have you ever found yourself there in the bottom end? Have you ever found yourself there? You know, he was out of money now. He had blown it all, right? He was hungry, and he was alone. Right. It's hard to understand why we go through some things, but when we make poor decisions, God takes us to different places in our lives and allows us to go through, okay? Knowing this, that he's not going to leave us, okay? He's waiting. He's waiting. He's patiently waiting for each one of us. By the way, me too. He's patiently waiting, okay? When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the highest servants have better food than me. You know, when we come back into the fold, when we've wandered a little bit, and when we've not put the time into it, all of a sudden we realize the word of God is our food. It feeds us. Now, it doesn't feed you in the belly. Sorry, right here. <laughs> but, but it feeds you in your mind. And then it transfers from your mind to your heart. Okay? And understand this. The heart is the controlling factor in our lives. It's the heart. It's not the mind. I know today education says you've got to get as smart as you can. No, you've got to get a tender heart and allow the heart to direct your mind. Amen. Amen. So we stopped running. And a lot of us need to stop running. Me too, by the way. Need to stop running. He stopped running. And he finally came to his senses. Wow. Yeah, right, Freddie. Amen. He came to his senses and he said, boy, even the servants have better food than me. I think I'm going to go home and see my dad, right? And you know, his father saw him a long way off. He saw him a long way off. And God is waiting for each one of us. He's speaking to us. He's seeing us right where we are. And he's waiting for you to come. He's waiting. In fact, he's even wooing and calling you. I believe this father was out there waiting for his son to come home. I bet you he got up every morning looking, come home, come home. And he looked. He was waiting, Lord. Hallelujah. So he returned home. And there was his father. Ran and embraced him. Kissed him, right? Loved him. Hallelujah. When you come back in, okay, when you decide to serve God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, the Father is going to wrap his arms around you, and he is going to love you to death. Amen. Amen. Remember, he died for you on the cross, okay? There's something that's there that he loved us so much that he was willing. The God of heaven, who had a throne, he didn't need to come here. He died for us. He gave his life up. He suffered severely for us. And yet, no matter how far we go outside of his call, 
He continues to call us. He continues to love us, you know? Hallelujah. You know what happened? The father came and hugged him. He kissed him. He thanked him. His son was saying, Father, I'm so sorry I did this. His father says, not a problem. I think I'm going to give you the best robe in the house. And I think I'm going to have a feast for you right now. Hallelujah. See, when we understand, and me too, by the way, okay, when we understand that it's much better with God than what it is in the world, that it's much better spending time reading your Bible than it is watching TV, okay? It's much better spending time, quiet time in the mornings, just, just calling on God. It's much better for us because we come in contact with a living God because he's not dead. My God is alive, okay? He's living. He's powerful. He's, he secures us in his rest. He's waiting, okay? He says, stop running. Stop running. Listen to me. Come into my presence, and I will bless you. I will lift you up. I will hold you in my arms. Do you ever think about that sometimes? I, I think when I'm going through things, I just want to jump up in God's arms and just have him hold me. Right. Nobody else here? <laughs> yeah. I just want him to hold me, man. I just want to be part of him, you know? What an amazing story this is about how God loves each one of us. Amen. Amen. I've got my notes all mixed up, which is pretty normal for me. Okay. Amen. So we go back to poor Maria, and, she, and that poor girl, she's in the kitchen with a quarter pound of pasta and 18 people to feed. But she remembers something in her Bible. See, when we get in situations and we're reading a Bible, God will remind us. Right. And let me tell you, I was sitting here, and I was, I was a little bit fearful of sharing this, but I know God showed me. He showed me a waterfall. And a waterfall is a sign of refreshing. It's fresh water. And God is just looking to refresh this church, give it a new voice and a new heart, Okay. And he's just going to allow us to just wash over us as he begins to strengthen us and do a holy work in us, you know. So Maria remembered Jesus fed the 5,000. So let's take a look at how Jesus did this, okay? I'm going to be reading from Matthew 14, 15 through 21. It says, as the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Right. You know what Jesus did to them? You know what that guy did to them? Do you, do you know? Huh? He said, you feed them. <laughs> well, wait a minute. We have to do something? Uh, yes, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, you know. It, it's, it's amazing where these guys were. Now, if you read back and go back, you see that 70 of them went out, and they were, they were watching people get saved and watching people get delivered, watching people get healed under their ministry. Things were going great. And then they come back, and the minute they're challenged, okay, what do they do? Yeah, wow, what are you going to and, and so I tried to apply that to my life because, you know, I love it when pastors come and they preach and I go get them pastor you're doing a good job and I don't realize God's talking to me he's saying go get them John I need you to do yes. a good job yes. and I shared this that you know pastors train flocks but the sheep beget the sheep sheep bring sheep in it's your friends it's your 
mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your sisters, your brothers, you know. It, It does that. So here's what Jesus did. He was so good with them. He said, let me see what you got there. Of course, he didn't say it the way I said it, but he said, show me what you have. He says, well, well we, we only have five loaves of bread, and we only had two fishes. But it's not enough. We can't feed all these people. He said, well, let me show you what you do. He says, you take those five loaves of bread, and you lift them up like this, and you take those two fishes, and you lift them up like this. Right. He says, Holy Father, you feed them. Right. Hallelujah. And when we begin to understand that God is calling us to feed them, and we lift up our talents and all we have that God has given us, okay? And God says, you feed them. Go ye therefore into all the world. Into all the world. Go, go, go. He doesn't say stop anywhere. Go ye therefore into all the world. Hallelujah. You feed them. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I just want to stop a minute here because I feel the spirit. Hallelujah. I... And we did this the first service, and I said I wasn't going to copy what happened in the first service, Pastor, but um, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. Can you do that for me? Now, no snoring. Well, I allow you to do this. There'll be no snoring. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to think of somebody. You've been praying that God would save them. Just somebody. Just close your eyes. Just say that name. Just say, say John, Joe, Harriet, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters. Come on, just start saying that. Just saying that. And then here's what I would like you to do. If you feel comfortable to do it, just take your hands and say, Father, help me feed them. Help me feed them. Help me touch them. Help me meet their needs. Help me be kind to them. Help me to love them. All the hurts that are there, remove them, Father. And God, put me back. Put me back, Father. Put me back, Lord, into a loving relationship. There are some relationships here this very morning that have been broken. You've turned away and you've walked away. Turn around and walk back. Hallelujah. Amen. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Hallelujah. I, I just feel that perhaps you need to take somebody out for a cup of coffee. Or perhaps you need to buy them a meal. Or perhaps you need to get them out of where they are and help them. Whatever it is, lift it up to God and say, God, take this. Take this. Use me. Use me for all the gifts you've given me. Take me and use me. Hallelujah. And God will do that. God will do that. Because with man, things seem to be impossible. But with God, tell me. All things are possible. You know? I have a grandson that lives with me, and he's uh, mentally, he's got, he's, he's very slow, and he's a good kid, and uh, I give up praying for him because I think nothing can help him. But you know what? In my mind, I don't see that, but in God's mind, he loves him just as much as he loves everybody else. He loves them. The person you walk by, the person on the street, the person in, could I tell a different story? Would you give me permission? Okay. <laughs> I was ministering in Scotland, and this young boy came up to me, and he said to me, I want to tell you a story. And he said, well, okay, I'll listen to your story. He says, I was on my my way home from my work, and I discovered a man laying in a ditch. And he was filthy, and he was smelly, okay? And I don't think many of us would want to go near him. And God spoke to the boy. He said, invite him to church tonight. He said, what? Are you kidding? It reminded me of Noah. Build an ark? 
An ark? What is an ark? Right? He said, what? Are you kidding? He says, no. He says, uh, invite him to church. And tell him you'll buy him a new suit of clothes, and you'll take him out to dinner, and you'll take him to what they call the baths. There are open baths, and you can go get cleaned up and showered. You tell him that. Say, what? <laughs> Come on. I only got two pounds 50 in my pocket. Clothes are going to cost 40 pounds, and dinner's going to cost 10 pounds, and the baths cost six. I only got two pounds 50. Just tell him. He says, okay, I'll tell him. So he tells the man, he says, look, he says, uh, I want to invite you to church. He says, and I'll take you out for dinner and buy you new clothes. And the man looks at him. He said, man, okay, I'll take that. I haven't eaten in three days, so I'll take that. Right. So he goes home. Now, all the time he's going home, and I know we've done this in ourselves, he's reaching in his pocket and he's feeling this two pounds 50, and he's wondering, how in the world am I going to do this? I mean, God, you told me, was this foolish? Was this dumb? Should I have done this? Should I have not have done this? Right. He's got all these things running through his mind. And then he gets to the doorstep of his flat, and there's a package wrapped in brown paper. And it's a good-sized package, like this here. And there's a note in it, and it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do you believe that? Amen. So he rips open the package, see what's in there. And there's a new shirt, there's new pants, there's undergarments, there's a jacket, there's a hat, there's a pair of shoes, and there's socks. All the right size. Wow. Left on his doorstep. So, so he takes it inside. This is the end of the story. He takes it inside, and he, and he goes and he rewraps it back up, and he runs back and he goes to see the man who's sitting there in the gutter. He says, he tells him what happened. The man says, oh, yeah, right. well, that sounds good, but I'm not too sure. And the boy's still reaching his pocket, feeling this two pounds 50. He's feeling a little better. But he says, I've got to take him to the bats, and the bats are six pounds. So I don't know what I'm going to do here. So he says, well, I'm going to follow through. So he goes to the bats, and the guy in the door that runs the bats, he goes to tell him, listen, I've got to apologize to him. He says, don't apologize to me. We've been waiting for you. We have clean towels. We have shaving gear. We have deodorant. We have everything this man needs. Let him go in and get cleaned up. And he comes back out, and the man looks decent, man. He's all cleaned up. He's got his new clothes on. And he can't believe it. He's shaking his head. Well, he's got one more obstacle to, to overcome, and he's still grabbing his two pounds, 50. And he goes to the fish store. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Fish and chips in Scotland is the only way to go. If you've ever been there, man, it's great. So he went to the chip shop, and there he's grabbing his two pounds, 50. And he went to apologize to the guy again. He says, sir, he says, don't tell me. There's two fish dinners right there for you. He says, I've made them ahead of time so you can have it. So they ate the fish dinners. The boy took the man to church. The man became one of the greatest evangelists the city of Glasgow, Scotland ever knew. Hallelujah. Following the direction of God. Following the direction of God. Get on the train because God's got a direction for each one of us. This is a simple story, but God's got a direction for your life, 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 for your life. Hallelujah. He's got a direction for us, every one of us. And he is calling this very morning. He's calling you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Poor Maria. We're back to Maria and a quarter pound of pasta, right? So she remembers the story about the 5,000. She takes that quarter pound of pasta. Now, she doesn't speak good English. So I'm going to interpret what she says for you. She says, hey, God, I need your help right now. All those people, like I'm a quarter pound of pasta. I give it to you. You feed them. And she throws the pasta in the pot. That night, 
she fed 18 people with leftovers. God's never going to leave you flat. The boy took the man to church, and the man became the greatest evangelist the city of Glasgow ever know. God's not going to leave you flat. He's got a call. He's saying, come on. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. 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 So I want to share something with you. Okay? See this? How many have a Bible? Everybody's got one. Okay. So you know what this Bible is? This is a sword holder. In this Bible, there's many swords, okay? There are many swords, and these swords, okay, will protect us. Now, you see, the, all the time you keep the sword in the holder, if Pastor Fred was to attack me with another sword and I went to hit him with something in a holder, he'd punch holes in me. That's not good. And that's exactly what the enemy is doing to a lot of us, punching holes in us. But when you take that sword out, okay, he has to run. He has to turn and run. I'm encouraging you to get into the sword holder and begin to know whatever you're going through, pick a scripture and say, Lord, I need this. I'm afraid. I need this. Give me scriptures on fear. Give me scriptures on health. Give me scriptures on whatever you need and allow you to minister to me. Now, I want to tell you why. Whoop, Fred, I'm going to put this on. Here. Don't get hurt. Okay. <laughs> I want to tell you why this is so important to me, and it should be so important to you, okay? Luke 15, 10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Give me one more sinner, Lord. Send me where I need to go. Call me out. Stir my heart. Begin to use my mind. Every one of us is intelligent, okay? Every one of us has a great mind, and God has given it to you. Let him speak into you. Let him send you different places. Should I say that African story before you finish? I have to? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, was, I, was, uh, I was a young, handsome guy. I know that's hard to believe, but I was a young, handsome guy, and I was uh, ministering at Restoration Church, and I was the head of the men's, men's group, and I was on staff. Freddie and I were on staff there. And uh, one morning, I wanted the men to get going, right? So I was given the service, and I said out loud, if God would call me to Africa, I'd go in a minute. Now, I was lying. Okay. I really didn't want to go to Africa. I really liked the job I had. I was eating really well. I didn't know anything about Africa. I'd never been there. And, and, and so I just left that alone and just walked away, right? Two weeks later, a guy named Dave Stanton came to the church. He's talking about his desire to build an orphanage in Tanzania, Africa. I was sitting there in that seat. Do you ever get uncomfortable, brother, sitting in your seat? You sort of wiggle like this, and your sort of foot goes like this, and you get a little itch on your head, sweating in your brow. And he's talking about it, and all the time, this is happening to me. And I'm saying, oh, man, what? No way, I'm not going to Africa. You stop talking to me, right? Uh, I got up, and I walked out the aisle. I didn't tell anybody, but you could see it on my face, and I went to the back of the church, and of course, the guys, because I was the men's leader, the guys all came to surround me. What's the matter? What's the matter? They could see my face like, I'm going to go to Africa, Lord. Don't take me, right? <laughs> and I went in the group right there, and they said, no, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong. I'm okay. I'm okay. And that guy stopped his message. He came down from the pulpit. He walked straight down the aisle, and he walked right into the middle of our group. The nerve of him, huh? The nerve of him. He said to me, 
I believe God's calling you to build this orphanage. And he walked away. And I said, what? And, and I did all the things these guys did. I, I did all these things, you know. I said, I only got a couple of fish. I only got a couple of loaves of bread. I only got, only got, only got, only got, only got. Because you see, with man, we don't see the whole truth. Things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today you've heard. We've got buildings there. We've got a church going there. We've got kids going to college. Things are happening. We're looking to bring 30 more children into the orphanage this year. I mean, all because of God. It wasn't me. Let me tell you, it wasn't me. I'm still running, right? It wasn't me, but it's God. And God has got a call on each one of our lives. He's asking us to go out. Now, this might sound weird, to go save some souls. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Just go share your love with someone. Just go buy them a cup of coffee. If there's someone, and, and here's, here's, a, here's what I've learned through this thing, is when I'm prayed up, okay, God speaks to my heart about things. And I can go see somebody. And I was telling the first service, I walked by this girl and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, whoa, have you ever had that happen? <laughs> Stop, whoa. And I walked by her and I turned around. And I looked at her, and she said to me, are you a pastor? And I t- immediately I became afraid. You know what he, and she was a little bit of a thing, but I thought she could attack me or kill me because I was a pastor. But I didn't say, and she said, yes. She says, I believe God called you to pray for me today. Now, I didn't do anything. I was just walking along the street. I didn't have any big Jesus sign on my head or anything like that. I just had a heart for souls. A heart for souls. Listen to this message God has given us. A heart for souls. I want to see them saved. I want to see, you know, the end time is here. You guys don't understand this? We're almost done. We're winding right up right now. And I want to see as many come to heaven with me as we possibly can bring them in. Here's what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, okay? And you know, every time we try to step out, the devil will say to us, nope, don't do it. You only got three loaves. You only got two fishes. Don't do that, you know? They'll talk about you. They'll think you're crazy. They, they won't help you. It's not true. That's his trick, okay? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love. Now listen to this. There is no fear in love. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Do you? Tell me. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Do you? Come on, tell me. I love the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. But perfect love casts out. Come on, tell me. Casts out what? All fear. All fear. Call me, Lord. Do a work in my heart. Send me out there, okay? I'm no longer afraid because I'm standing on the rock, Christ Jesus, who prepare a place for that person in Glasgow, Scotland, who sent this crazy old man to Africa with no talent at all. Come on, I didn't. I'm telling you the truth. He can do anything. With man, what? All things are possible. I'd like to read, I'd like you to follow me in a prayer of repentance. Now, I have to do this too, so... Don't think I'm picking on you, okay? And if I, I got my sword, so you can't get me, so I must sit there, right? But I'd like, to, when I, when I, I'd like you to follow me and pray this prayer with me. And if you want to close your eyes, you're welcome to do that, okay? 
Holy Father, I turn from not trusting you and from allowing the spirit of fear to operate in my life. I tear down the strongholds of fear. I reject the spirit of fear. Say it again. I reject the spirit of fear. I turn from stress and anxiety. And I receive your peace. Amen. Could, could I get the band to come up? Would you mind? Is the band still here? I hope I didn't scare them away. No? <laughs> They're coming. They're coming. I did this to them last time without telling them I was going to do it. <laughs> I just want you to sit before God. I want you to just think about this whole crazy old man message that I gave you. I want to say, God, apply this to my life. Help me, Father. Encourage me and strengthen me as the band plays. Hallelujah. Let's worship God again.